Welcome to Theology Thursday, an ecumenical space for students to discuss matters of faith and theology. I'm your host, Connor Grubbs. I am your co-host, Ryan Mock. And I'm your co-host, co-co-host, Johnny Grubbs. It doesn't work anymore because there's video. They can see he's not here. All right. Although, if for those on the podcast, totally would have been convinced. Oh, I know, because it sounded just like him, right? Yes. I honestly thought that he might have just appeared behind me, and I didn't. I didn't know about it. He snuck in so quietly. He actually went in from the, the ceiling. Through the ceiling tile. Went through. He yeah. He entered into a ceiling tile and then went through the the viaduct up here, and then he ninjaed down. All right. I'm gonna to find it's. It's okay. Here's the thing. We've been experiencing... Johnny would be here with us. He was here with us Monday night when we recorded. He's no longer with us. And he's gone. We're, we are experiencing some some technical difficulties. Connor's so, experiencing technical difficulties. Do you want to take ownership of this podcast or not? No, I'm, I'm good. You, you could keep... All right, well, then you're not the co-host it. anymore. You can go out that door. Oh. <laughs> We at Theology Thursday is experiencing some technical difficulties. And here's the thing. It's really sad because we had the episode. We recorded it Monday night. Johnny was here with us. We answered the questions. It was beautiful. And the quality was pristine. But the files were so large that my little MacBook Air that doesn't have a whole lot of data on it, that really is just for schooling, um, almost exploded. And, uh, and <laughs> he was sitting in his apart- apartment, and it was shaken before see. him. This, this message will self-destruct, <laughs> and so he quickly uh, had to delete it. I didn't. Well, I didn't mean to. I, it, it just we lost the file. Okay. Long story short, we lost the file, and so I, at last minute, I was like, "Hey guys, we want to re-record, whatever." Johnny couldn't do it, so we're gonna do it again. We're gonna answer the same questions. It's going to be okay. For those of you watching on YouTube, the audio quality is not there yet. It's not quite there yet. But the other option was give you good quality audio that's out of sync with the t- like our, our lips. It, it gets really annoying. We There's a couple videos up on the channel that are already like that. So, you know, we started doing video however many episodes back, and it's been a technical challenge. Um... And that's one of the reasons we waited so long to do it, is because we wanted it to be done right, and it's still not being done right. So, we apologize. Most of you listen on audio anyway, so you don't care. Um, Let us begin. We're here now. This is the podcast that the people are going to hear. So let's, let's do it with all of our hearts. That's right. Yep. The time has come. The time. So... My subpoint has to do with a recent finding from Barna Research Group, which says that Christians are 11 percent. 11% of Christians. Christians are 11% of Christians. No, oh, <laughs> let me say this right. Okay, I don't have it in front of me. I'm trying. 11% of Christians. Mm-hmm are less likely to say that they believe that there is racial oppression in America than they were five years ago. Okay, so essentially these these Christians, if you had asked them five years ago, would have agreed that there's racial oppression, and then you ask them today, and they'd say no. Wow. Really weird, right? 
Yeah, that's... That's a, that's a pretty steady uptick for five years. And also, don't you think these things are more at the forefront today than they were five years ago? Yeah, that's kind of the way I saw it, that things have kind of amped up a little bit in the sure. past five years. Sure. Well, and, and John Matthews, who was on our podcast to talk about this, he said in that podcast episode that um, it, that he didn't feel things were getting worse. It's just that there's more exposure, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I get that. I, I do think things have kind of come to a head because of that exposure, and, and now people that were trying to avoid being in the conversation are having to, to be part of the conversation. It's uh, Everybody's got to make a decision about this. But here's here's my theory. I could be wrong. I could be right. Um, as we've seen, politics get really polarizing. We don't usually talk about polarize, you know, politics because it's, it's one of those things. Because it's polarizing. Because it's polarizing. And, this, and that's why nothing I'm about to say is for one side or the other. It's just what it is. But I do think that it's because people have made race a political issue rather than a people issue. Hmm. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, racism is a hard issue. Yes. And I think people will go with whatever political ideology they think it fits. They're thinking of... there's there's organizations and political parties that they're attaching to certain things and to be loyal to their political party they have to take a certain view regardless of whether how true it is um and it's just unfortunate that it's come to that because we've seen with coronavirus and now we're seeing here with you know racism it's becoming a political issue when in reality um sure i mean we talk about systemic racism that's certainly a part of it sure the government does play a part in, you know, health and health crises. But at the end of the day, um, a health issue is a health issue, and a uh, a heart issue is a heart issue. You know, if if there's racism in the heart, we've talked about this too. It's sin. That's a sin issue at the end of the day. And uh, you know, so here's the thing: in the middle of everything going on right now, I think. Is, is really important for us to remember. Not everything has to be political, and we are experiencing the politicization of everything. <laughs> Literally everything. <laughs> yes. And uh, that's, in short, that's what I'm trying to say with my sub point. I don't think I need to go any further than that. But that's what's happening. Don't fall into it. All right? Well said. Okay. You had something. It's something we've talked about before. I hate to talk about it again. It's kind of sad. Yeah, I I saw an article today. Actually, I saw it yesterday, but I didn't actually read it until today. It was actually released yesterday. Uh, from Christianity Today, uh, th- th- this article provides more information about Ravi Zacharias, uh, who passed away in mm, a few months. Was it a few months ago or over a year ago now? No, it was within 2020. I think yeah, it was fairly it was recent. Yeah, it was spring of 2020. Robbie Zacharias passed away, and then a, a bunch of stuff came out uh, about him and sexual abuse and sexual harassment. And so there was stuff that came out uh, shortly after his death about a scandal with um, 
a lady in Canada, and uh, and them uh, him sexting her and trying to get things from her, uh, and then uh, and then him outright denying it when uh, when she came forward to talk about it, uh, him and and uh, he 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 denied it. Uh, so that was one thing, and then. Recently, it has been revealed that there have been uh, reports uh, from three different ladies at a spa that Robbie Zacharias frequents about two or three times a week. Uh, he, he would go to this spa that he was actually the co-owner of. That was actually a, an interesting thing I didn't know about Robbie Zacharias is that he owned uh, several spas. Uh, and so he, to me, eh? he went three, two to three times a week. Uh, it was very close to about 15 minutes away from, I guess, their headquarters or wherever he was. In, he's in Georgia, I think, Alpharetta. Atlanta. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so he went to the spa and uh, basically uh, sexually harassed uh, at least three of the workers mm-hmm. there. Uh, involving, this involved... Uh, um, Lewd conduct. Lewd conduct. We'll just <laughs> leave it at that. Uh, so the the article is on Christianity Day, Today. If you care to read it, um, it is very sad. Uh, well, and, and also just to add to that, his ministry has denied the claims and has hired uh, right. a, an investigator to uh, research these claims. Right. Um, all around, this all stinks. Yeah, um, it's not good. Uh, I, we've talked about this before. Don't put Christian uh, leaders on a pedestal. Uh, in the Christianity Today article, uh, you'll read about some statements that he had made to these women, including the woman that that he had the scandal with that was released a few months back, about how he himself felt burdened by his ministry and this was a way for him to release his stress um it don't don't put these guys on a pedestal um, because they're they're humans and yeah. they fall uh, and yeah this this is pretty hard fall here right and for, and for a, a a nuanced approach since johnny isn't here i gotta gotta throw that in there when, when stuff like this comes up there, there's a few things. I mean, one, you gotta take. Obviously, you gotta take allegations like this seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, every time, uh, and so the, the, say that right out of the gate. And then the two other things is there's there's two sides of the coin here, and it's why things like this do need to be investigated, and there does need to be proper research to 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 make sure. One. Uh, you know, upstanding pastors and ministers get accused of terrible things by people with horrible intentions who just want to ruin their lives and ministries all the time. Yes. Um, I personally have experienced uh, lots of, you know, rumors and things that have come up um, even in just my short time in ministry, and and these things happen. Um, So I, I don't always just assume... Uh, that allegations like this are true, but I do take them seriously. All right, you can't just dismiss them either. 
And then on the other hand of it is what Ryan was just saying. We can't put these people on a pedestal. Remember that every pastor you've ever listened to, every author you've ever read, no matter how much uh, you respect them and no matter how much value the things that they've preached or written have in and of themselves, um, these people are capable of all those things and more. Mm -hmm. Because they're fallen humans. Um, And so... Yeah, I, I just think it, you know the, the the research part is, is important, but unfortunately, the amount of information that's coming out and the amount of people that are stepping up, this doesn't look good. Right, not at so. all. Um, and then also, we talked about this the last time Robbie Zacharias came up, but why bring all this stuff up now? The man is dead. Why do we need to bring? Why do we? Why does all this stuff need to resurface? Uh, I think it's important that this brought be brought to light, um, even though Robbie Zacharias is dead. Um, there needs to be justice, uh, vindication for uh, the victims of this. Uh, I believe that that is how um, that is part of the path of justice is that that would be revealed. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's important. Yeah, and also to hold, you know, it's possible that uh, Robbie Zacharias's ministry. Uh, is complicit in, in the crime. Sure. We, so, so again, I don't want to just go out there and just accuse everybody, uh, but there needs to be justice. Yeah. So, absolutely. Well, that's our sub points for today. We will be right back for our main point after this short break. Alrighty, so on to the main topic today. We're going to be talking about God and sin and salvation in the Old Testament. We have some great questions. By the way, if you have a question you want us to answer on the podcast, you can message us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You can email us at theologythursdaypodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. Part of what makes this podcast what it is, especially this season we're leaning back into this model of doing things, is questions from the listeners. We are not experts. We're students just like you, but we want to take this journey together. So please send us your questions. We have some great questions this week. The first question comes from Josh Oxendine. The question is, what is the origin of sin, or rather, he just put the origin of sin as a topic for us to discuss, but I posed it as a question. So, uh, regardless, there's the topic, the origin of sin. Where where did all this sin stuff start? Right, so I was, in looking at this question beforehand, I was kind of confused about really where how to tackle this, uh, because origin of sin, you know, how, how do you, really, how does that Really, what is that question asking? Uh, it it seems very broad. Uh, are we asking you know who created sin? Are we asking who committed the first sin? Uh, so the way I actually tackled this was was kind of asking the first question is who created sin or where did sin come from? And the answer to that is well nobody created sin. Uh, we have to think about what sin is. What is the very definition? of sin. And we're going to look back. I'm going to throw in uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith and Catechism to help answer this. Uh, If you don't know what the Westminster uh, Confession and Catechism is, it's uh, a 17th century document. 
that outlines uh, it's basically a large statement of faith for a uh, for a few particular denominations that hail from the Reformed tradition. Uh, it was written uh, in the 17th century uh, by who we call the Westminster Divines, a group of uh, pastors and theologians in uh, England uh, who were Reformed. They wrote this, and so, anyways, they they came up with questions and answers to help people understand their faith. So, one of the questions they ask is, "What is sin?" And their answer is that sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. And when we hear that, we, we kind of have to we have to flesh that out a little bit more because this is written in early modern English, and so some of those phrases sound a little outdated. Uh, so what what did these people mean when they said any want of conformity unto? Now, that word want here doesn't mean that we desire conformity to the word to the law of God, but rather we are lacking. Uh, that that word that connotation there is that uh, we are deficient in something so we are actually lacking conformity to the word of god so actually sin is less than something and really when we go to the original meaning of the word sin uh, to sin means to miss the mark imagine being an archer uh, shooting uh, an arrow at a board and the, what you're aiming for is the, the bullseye, the, the, the center of the board. Anything less than that is missing the mark. And so that's really where that idea comes from, that word sin, is to miss the mark. And the mark being perfection. So really we think of sin not as an, as an addition to something, but rather less than. So I find the question, you know, who created sin... I find it kind of a silly question, although I don't mean that to, to be mean to anybody that you would ask a silly question, but really I think of the question, you know, who created sin is similar to the question who created non-existence? And the answer is, well, that's a dumb question. Non-existence is not a creation, right? A non-existence is uh, the absence of creation. Uh, so that's the way I see this. Uh, God did not create sin. Uh, sin did not come from God. Uh, so if we were asking the question, who committed the first sin, uh, we look to the garden, we look to Adam and Eve who sinned. Uh, we also think about Satan, the devil. Mm -hmm. um, although I, I think Johnny had a different little perspective on that, on Satan sinning. He had a good distinction because really, uh, for a lot of people, what this question is, what is the origin of sin? Really what they're asking is, was it Satan or was it Adam? Uh, and, you know, what, what came first, the chicken or the sin? Uh, and in this case, uh, the thing is, sin is really in the Bible something that uh, mankind, it's, it's, it's a curse on mankind, mm -hmm. and it's something that plagues mankind. Uh, what Satan did, he's uh, an otherworldly being, he's supernatural, a fallen angel, mm -hmm. and um, what we're looking at there. Uh, is there's a distinction between sin and evil. Um, essentially, 
because Satan is a supernatural being, he, he can't sin. That's only something that man can do. And Satan and his fall and all of that came from a place of pure spiritual evil. And so another question that we can ask is, uh, or something we could talk about, is the origin of evil. And yet again, I, I, I go back to kind of my first point. Uh, God didn't create evil, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, neither did God cause Satan to sin, or, or not to sin, but to uh, be evil. Um, we don't know when when all that happened. Uh, we don't know when uh, Satan uh, made that transformation from uh, of an, an angel of the Lord to being uh, uh, rebellious towards God, uh, and we don't know what uh, why he did it. Um, but Satan did. Uh, but by no means would any of us say that God created sin, that God created evil. Uh, Nothing like that. Right, and then you end up asking, uh, well, then why did God give, you know, the angels or the humans free will, the ability to do those things? And and ultimately, it was the most loving thing that he could have done, is giving us free will. And it seems like, well, no, because if we didn't have that, if he just made it to where it was impossible for us to do certain things, which... He has. I can't just get up and fly right now. But if he made it impossible for us to sin, then, um, then you know, none of this would have happened. We wouldn't have all this sin and evil and death in the world. But he created us with free will so that our relationship with him could have intimacy to it. It could mean something. There's a, a, a pursuit there. It goes both ways. Um so I actually have a different perspective on that, um, but we don't have to talk about that at this time. Well, you shouldn't have said anything. You have to talk about it now. Well, I'm just thinking, you know, on the new heaven and in the new heaven and new earth, uh, we will not have the ability to sin, or we will not. Uh, there is will be no want of sin within us. We will not. We will not want to sin. We'll. That will be our very nature: is that we won't want to sin. You know. So I, I, I don't think that means that we don't And we love still that. have free will in the new heaven and new earth is what you're saying. Yeah, and we still the have the ability free will. to make choices. We still have the ability to make choices, but think our own by thoughts. our by our very nature, um, uh, we will not sin. Also, how how would I answer that question? Um, to, if well, you ask why me did the God give people the why, ability why, to choose to sin? Right. Why did God make people like that? Um, my answer, I don't know. Ultimately, uh, my answer would be because God saw that most fit in for his, his own divine purposes uh, for his glory. Everything that God does is for his glory, and both of us agree with that statement. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I would say. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, I don't know why God particularly decided that was the best way to display his glory, but he did. And we trust that, right? So. Yeah. So the next question, these are both, we have two more questions. They're both from Cody Hausdorf. Shout out to Cody. Uh, thank you for serving our country. Uh, miss you. So here are the two questions. These are great questions. I love these questions. First question is, before Jesus died on the cross, how did people know that they were saved? And uh, I've asked, I, I remember asking that question a lot when I first read through the Old Testament. Because I'm like, 
what are they, you know, how do you know you're saved? Because I'm told I know that I'm saved by putting my faith in Jesus Christ. They didn't, I mean, Jesus Christ hadn't come and died on the cross and three days later risen again. So how did they know they were saved? Well, I will say um, the, the people in the Old Testament were saved the same exact way that people are saved today. And that's something we all agree with here, is that the Old Testament saints were saved uh, by grace through faith. That the Old Testament saints were not saved by doing good works. Or by they weren't saved by following the law. Right. Neither were they saved by making sacrifices uh, regularly. None of that saved them. Those, those things, the, the sacrifices... And the law were foreshadowing of uh, the Messiah to come, uh, and that was what they they put their faith in. Uh, they 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 put their faith in the promises of God, and that God would one day uh, rescue them. Yeah, and I think that's super important because in Genesis, um, God makes a covenant with Abraham. Abraham believes in it, and it says that God credited his faith as righteousness. Yes, uh, 15.6. And Abraham believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And Paul refers to that later in Romans, too, so we get reference to that in the New Testament. And it's really important to note that Abraham had faith not just in God in general, but in a specific promise from God. What are you looking at? No, I'm just kind of okay. I'm sorry. I was, the, uh, <laughs> looking over our Maple Street Empire here. So he gave a specific. He he put his faith in a specific promise from God. Look, lots of people believe in God. Satan and his demons believe in God, but Abraham believed in a specific promise from God. Ultimately, that covenant about um, blessing Abraham, uh, blessing the nations through Abraham's lineage. Uh, ultimately is a promise about Jesus. And so we put our faith in a promise about Jesus, <laughs> and so did Abraham. And, and I think the best way to look at it is we are looking backwards to the cross, an event in history, okay? And they were looking forward to the cross, an event in history. They didn't exactly know when or how it was going to happen, but they knew they had a promise that salvation would come through the Messiah. And uh, and that's that's it. So, yeah, they were, saved, they were saved the same way. It's hard for us to process because we have more context, but they believed in the same promise. They just didn't have as many details revealed to them yet. Yeah, that is a very important question to ask because a lot of people miss out on that question. They don't. They don't even think about that question, or maybe they just assume that uh, that the Old Testament saints were saved by keeping the law. Uh, but that is, that is a misunderstanding about the purpose of the law, and actually a misunderstanding about how salvation works. Right. Um, and and we see that because there's so many people who kept the law very well that God we see in the book of Isaiah actually gets frustrated with because they're doing all the festivals and all the sacrifices and all the things and it, it, it means nothing because their faith wasn't in the promise. Their heart wasn't surrendered to God. They were just going through the motions the same way we can get caught up in doing today. It was just religious uh, obligation rather than uh, real faith. And um, there's a difference between that. One saves and the other doesn't. 
Um, so it's really important to make that distinction. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. Okay, the last one, sticking to the Old Testament, which, by the way, Andy Stanley was wrong. The Old Testament matters. <laughs> Exodus refers to God hardening Pharaoh's heart. Does God still harden people's hearts today? So this is a very scary question for people to tackle uh, because that just that that line that we find or the, it's actually in multiple spots in the Exodus story about God hardening Pharaoh's hearts and in fact I'll just pull up at least one of the uh, passages here. Well yeah and so just some context for those who may not know this is where uh, Moses is coming to Pharaoh and asking him to let God's people, the Israelites, go. They're in slavery in Egypt, and so he keeps going, and Pharaoh keeps saying no, and God sends another plague. And each time, Pharaoh's heart is getting harder and harder against God and against you know Moses and the people of Israel, ultimately. Um, and the first couple of times, it says that Pharaoh hardened Pharaoh's heart, essentially, is his kind of his own doing and then the further we get into it it says that god hardens pharaoh's heart which sounds like a pretty direct action yeah. but why don't you show us the actual scripture uh, exodus 10 27 says but the lord hardened pharaoh's heart and he would not let them go so that that to many people that has such a negative connotation there it sounds so scary and it sounds so unlike god that that he would cause somebody to sin and so that's that's where it falls apart right um we we look at this we look at passage this passage passages like this uh from a different perspective ultimately um we understand the nature of man uh before christ uh ephesians chapter 2 says uh that uh we are children of wrath we're sons of disobedience and uh, we are dead in our trespasses. Uh, we actually have uh, essentially a, a heart of stone as uh, natural people. And uh, you know, other passages in the Bible make this clear as well. First Corinthians, I think it's 2.15, maybe 2.14 says, natural man cannot even understand the things of God. So natural man does not like God. The natural man actually hates God uh, in, 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 at a spiritual level. Yet we see in the world today, and we see in the world in the Bible, that wicked people have actually been blessed by God, and wicked people actually live comfortable lives. And furthermore, wicked people oftentimes are decent people. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and up till the plagues came up, Pharaoh lived a pretty comfortable life. <laughs> Absolutely, he, he was he was on top of the world basically, uh, and so today we, you know we ask ourselves these questions. You know why why are even the wicked you know at least decent people? You know you give give the charity you know save save a cat from the from the pet uh, the the shelter. You know it's nice nice things. Um, the reality is that while we are spiritually wicked. And we hate God. God actually uh, dispenses grace upon everybody. We know that as Christians, we are saved by grace through faith. And that is a special grace that God dispenses to us. Uh, but 
God actually dispenses uh, a more general common grace upon the whole world, even the wicked. And this grace that God uh, shares with everybody is actually a grace that not only uh, allows the wicked to be to be blessed materially or, or whatnot, but also it keeps people from being as bad as they could be. We, we look at Hitler as somebody who was a terribly wicked person, um, but he could have been even worse. And furthermore, all of us could be even worse than we actually are. Uh, and so I think that's God's uh, grace working in all of us in a certain way. And so the, the, the word that theologians use uh, to describe that is common grace, that we receive a special grace from God uh, for salvation, but the world as a whole receives a common grace uh, that restrains our, uh, our uh, wickedness uh, so that we're not all uh, Hitler's. So anyways, how, how does this relate to this passage? Uh, the way, uh, I, by the way, I'm coming at this from a Reformed perspective, uh, 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 Calvinistic uh, perspective. And so other people will answer this differently than me, and that's okay. So the way, that's just a disclaimer, by the way. Uh, I feel, I like feel Johnny, disclaimed. Thank you. Awesome. I know that Johnny probably has a, uh, a different look at this. And I as can well. kind of rehash what Johnny said right. as best as I can. So the way that we look at this, or at least I look at this uh, from my reform perspective, is as Pharaoh hardens his own heart, God also removes some of that restraint and power from Pharaoh's heart so that Pharaoh would fall even more uh, into his wickedness. Ultimately, God is given Pharaoh what he wants. Uh, this is a pattern that we see in Scripture a lot. Uh, I'll point you to Romans chapter 1, this idea that God actually gives people over to their sin. God actually gives people what they want, and what people want is to do what they want in their own eyes. And so Romans 1 chap talks about this, how uh, Natural men uh, wanted to do what they wanted to do, and God gave them over to that. And that is actually a form of divine judgment. Oftentimes, what we want is not actually what's good for us. And so, if God, so many times, if God gives you what you want, uh, that might not be a good thing for you. That, that might actually lead uh, further to your uh, descent. And that could be a form of judgment in your life by God. And so I think that's what we see here is that God is removing uh, some of his restraint and power, some of his grace from Pharaoh's life uh, in order that, that Pharaoh would fall even more. And in doing this, God accomplishes uh, his divine purposes. And that is to save uh, the, the Hebrews uh, from slavery, to uh, redeem them from slavery, to rescue them out of the hands of Egypt. So all of this is, is according to God's purposes. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the way we look at this passage. Uh, God did not cause, uh, did not make or force Pharaoh to sin, but rather God took his hand away from Pharaoh. And doing that, Pharaoh did what he wanted to do all along. Right. And so uh, here's a, a side note. This is not the actual topic, but I, I was just thinking about this while you were talking about common grace and special grace, um, the, like a specific grace for believers. Um, is There's the irony right there of the kind of prosperity gospel 
mentality is people get saved expecting and wanting even more common grace and completely ignoring the specific grace they've been given salvation and sanctification which really should be our focus mm-hmm. and uh they want more common grace they want more of worldly blessings of, right you know the things that you know sure it's it's fine every good and perfect gift is from above it's it's okay to enjoy a biscuit at maple street or your vehicle that's not a sin in and of itself um but people you know decide they want to be christians because they want more of that um and it's uh that's not really the the kind of grace that we should be excited about (laughs) in in the grand scheme of things that stuff doesn't matter it's just kind of a nice bonus um so that's that's a separate i mean that's a whole nother talk right there but i'm gonna try and rehash with johnny and he can he can grade us next week and see if we i did okay because i'm trying to represent you know what he shared because he had some good stuff on this but um you know like i said that sounds very direct of god hardening pharaoh's heart like he's just going in there and just making that you know him it sounds Peter's mean problem. yeah like, it does do that it does and Johnny's perspective of it that uh, I thought was pretty interesting, I never thought about it this way before, is that each time that Pharaoh has a chance to do the right thing, Moses comes before him and says, let my people go. Essentially, every time that the idea of doing the right thing of, of, of God comes before him, it is further provoking him into a hardened heart. Because he was already, if you're an Arminian, he was already predetermined to not believe in God. (laughs) If you're a Calvinist, you could say he was already predestined to not believe in God. Either one works. But his mind was already made up, right? Mm -hmm. And so the more he's presented with this, the more bitter he gets. And and, uh, the example that Johnny used was, say you're part of a political party called the Panda Party. I'm going to put the Connor twist on it because I think Kanye West's political campaign is hilarious. The birthday party, okay? Um, you're, you're part of the birthday party. And um, and you're predetermined that you are never... Okay, you're, you're the birthday party, I'm the panda party. Okay. Right? And you're predetermined that you are never going to be a part of the panda party. Your mind is made up. Right, yeah. The birthday party is superior. And I sit down and talk to you, not to understand your party more or to just help you understand mine more. I am sitting down to change your mind, and I just keep hammering you with it, and you keep explaining. No, yeah, I'm, I'm not. never, I'm never gonna recant. After a while, you might start to get heated. Like, no, that's not your your heart starts to harden towards it because I'm yeah, provoking I, you. I'm, I'm harboring bitter feelings towards you about this. Because I yeah, so that was kind of his perspective. I mean, that's what's happening there. Is it's actually God's giving him a chance, but because of where his heart is already at, it's sending him further into it, mm. deeper into this uh, opposition towards God. Um, which is an interesting way to look at it. To be honest. I don't think that that perspective and what you said can't both be happening at the same time. Right. I, yeah, I think think me and Johnny both definitely agree that God is given Pharaoh what he wants. Right. Ultimately. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, there's—oh, there's, but, but here's, here's the big question there. Does God still harm people's hearts today? And yes— 
Yes, the answer is yes. God still can do that. Uh, and, and there's multiple references to this in the New Testament. Paul talks about the Gentiles in Ephesians. Uh, I think it's chapter 4 being hardened uh, in their, their sinful ways. Jesus, Jesus yep. multiple times refers to the people's hearts being hardened. When he's performing miracles and they're just not having it, he says their hearts are hardened. He moves on. Um, and also in, in, in sharing parables with his disciples, mm-hmm. uh, Jesus uses parables as a way to, uh, to, to um, what's the word I'm looking for, to conceal uh, truth from the mass uh, whose, heart, whose hearts are hardened. Uh, and this is a form of divine judgment upon them because they don't want to understand Jesus. They don't want uh, to, uh, to put their faith in Jesus. And Jesus refers to passages from the Old Testament, take that Andy Stanley, where it talks about hearts being hardened. So, um, yes, it still happens today, and um, and it is a scary thing. It is a, a kind of, but when we, uh, it's... People always get caught up on, well, God can't do that. That's mean. That's not fair. Here's the thing. At the end of the day, if you want fair, we'd all be burning in hell right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't deserve anything. We are not owed anything. Um, so you want to talk about what's fair. That's what's fair. But God has lavished his grace upon us by offering any of us. That's why it's the called. That's why it's called grace, yeah. right? Because it's something we don't deserve. God has given to us. Uh, if if we demanded that God owed us grace, then it ceases to be grace. Uh, so that's why we call it grace. Right. It's a gift from God. Right, and that's why we talk about mercy. Which mercy is great. I mean, that's not getting what you do deserve. Right. God went a step further with grace. Is giving us what we did not deserve. Um, and, and he offers both to us, and that's a pretty amazing thing when you think about it. Yes. So thank you again for your great questions. Please keep sending them to us. We are excited about this season. Uh, thank you for being patient with us as we try and work out some of these technical problems. We're going to have it up and running soon, and, and hopefully uh, uh, hopefully we'll have Johnny next week because it just doesn't feel the same without him. Yeah, it's like we're missing a third of the podcast like yeah, like that's I, exactly what's happening yeah well thanks for listening we will be back <laughs> next thursday go ahead and say it ryan yeah eat.